0: Welcome to Leaders of the West, a podcast for innovators and change makers. I'm your host, Jesse Jarvis, the founder of Of the West, and I'm sitting down with agriculturalists, entrepreneurs, executives, and everyone in between with the goal of digging into the strategies, mindsets, and lessons that have been crucial to the success of Ag and Western. Whether you're carrying on the next generation of your family's operation, starting something from scratch, or determined to climb up the leadership ladder, We're going to inspire you to continue to dream big, growing not just you, but the future of agriculture and Western as a whole. Let's go. Welcome to today's episode of Leaders of the West. You guys are going to love this episode. Today we are sitting down with Keith Mundy. He is somebody that I have known for a very long time and is an inspiration to many in the Western industry. He is a very successful, high achiever. He has been at the helm of many Western brands. And today he's going to give us a little bit of insight as to how he has built his reputation as a well-respected leader and commonalities that he has really seen across the variety of Western brands that he has been able to be a part of. So thank you so much, Keith.
1: Hey, it's great to be here. Um, You made me sound pretty good there.
0: (laughs) Well, all of it was truth. There was not one single lie. So to get started, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your experience in the Western industry?
1: Well, see, in 2000, I went to work for, I sold a company in Southern California, a distribution construction company, and moved to Napa, Idaho. And a friend of mine was in the Western business and they needed a rep at Cinch. And, um, we, uh, kind of went and applied for that and got it. And at the time, the territory wasn't doing very much since jeans were very expensive and, you know, just hard to, hard to get a foothold in the, in the Pacific Northwest. But, um, you know, right place, right time with the right product. I was very lucky there. And so I was with Cinch for 12 years. And then, you know, Keith Maddox was a great friend of mine, always has been, and he had cancer. And so he needed somebody to kind of help take over here at American Hat Company, and we made a deal. And um, that has been by far the best thing that I've ever done. Keith Maddox has kind of become, well, he, he actually became a mentor. You know, my father died in 1979, so when I was 20, so I kind of always felt like I was on my own, had to figure this thing out. And Keith stepped right in and had just tons of wisdom. I loved his philosophy on things. He uh, was like a lot like my grandfather. My grandfather has saying for everything, and so Keith did too. He could say it in a in a few words, and you know you could get the you get the point across. So American Hat, I've been here since two thousand and eleven, uh, and it's probably been the greatest ride of my life.
0: That is awesome. So as you mentioned, you have been at the helm of. Companies like Miller International, which for those of you who may not know, they produce brands such as Cinch, Cruel Girl, Miller Ranch, and a number of other lines. And then obviously now as the president of American Hat, two companies who are without a doubt leaders in the Western industry. So to you, what stands out as some commonalities that successful companies have?
1: Well, the first the first, and what I think the most important ingredient is a great product. You gotta have quality product, great product, and it's, uh, you can't sell based on price. You know, you gotta sell based on quality. The price you paid is long forgotten if there's no quality there. You know, you buy something and it just doesn't work out, doesn't last, you say, well, I'll never do that again. But if you paid a little bit more and you got something, and you've really liked it, it's really worked well for you, and, uh, and if the company's ethos aligns with your ethos, with your beliefs and your morals, then um, it's a good fit. So those are the those are the main things. you thing. got to have great quality products. And I like the fact that, like Miller, I had an article in my office from the New York Times that said, you know, this uh, small company and taking on, you know, VF, Wrangler, And, uh, the chances of them ever succeeding were minimal. And, uh, now the, you know, the brands, uh, a well-respected brand. So great quality product and we really targeted youth in that deal. So, I mean, I can remember when we signed tough Cooper over there and Roy Cooper wanted to come over and I go, oh, Roy, you're going to be Wrangler. and He's going to be cinch. And so that was the contrast that we were actually looking for. And so. Wrangler became kind of your father's gene and Cinch became your gene if you were a young person.
0: So let's talk about that strategy really quickly, because I don't think that when it comes to you know acquiring customers and, and really putting thought into that, a lot of people think about the cost of acquisition when it comes to getting a younger person. So by having that tough Cooper at that time, that age range, you then ideally have that customer for life, Right.
1: Well, and probably the most important thing that I I could say that we've done that we did at Cinch and then we've done it here at American was sponsorship of the National High School Rodeo Association, National Junior High School Rodeo Association, and then some of the other youth events. We did Little Riches for a bit, uh, Shawnee, the uh, International Finals Youth Rodeo. But if you think about it, uh, branding is a Western term, right? And so as a rancher, you know this. What do you want to do? You want to brand calves? I've a lot of calves every year. And so that's what we uh, set out to do with high school and junior high school rodeo was to uh, go to those events, be at those events, participate in those events and brand as many kids as we could and then let them grow up. And so that's what happened at Cinch and Cinch is still a sponsor. And then um, when I moved over here, the people at the high school rodeo contacted me and said, man, would you ever want to be a sponsor? And I said, "Yeah, we well, would love to. That's, best thing I think that we can do. And so it's worked for us uh, here at America as well.
0: So in addition to having strong business sense, you are known in the Western industry for someone who's a really strong and well-respected leader. How have you built your leadership prowess over the years?
1: Wow. Um, I made a lot of mistakes, you know, and I, I tell people all the time, what not to do is just as important as what to do. So you got to kind of figure out what not to do. But I think with people is just doing what you say you're going to do. Be fair. And every day, I mean, I'm willing to go do whatever I got to do, whatever it takes. When somebody asks me, what do you do at American Hat Company? I say, whatever it takes. If it takes sweeping the factory floor or cleaning some bathrooms, then, um, you know, I'll do that. And, and I'm not even exaggerating because we have a guy here, a maintenance janitor, and when Rick's not here. That's the first thing I notice in the morning because when I come in my trash is still full and then the factory floor is not clean. So there's been times that uh, when Rick was out, uh, he had covid once and you know, I do, I would pick up the room and sweep the factory floor. And so I think it's good for employees to see you doing that and go, well he's not afraid to do it, so why am I I'm, you know, to have a saying, you know, it all pays the same. So do whatever it takes to get it done, get the job done.
0: Well, and one of the things too that I think about is in our industry, especially, I think that we are fairly decent when it comes to being people who are willing to do anything. That being said, what do you think are areas that we can improve on in that?
1: Well, I think that there's some things that we could probably be a little more sophisticated In when it comes to electronics and, you know, we were, I think we're the whole Western industry as a whole was slow to the, you know, websites and shopping carts and those types of things. So uh, we weren't forerunners when it came to that. We kind of were a little bit after the curve, maybe. But I don't, I mean, there's nothing. I wouldn't trade this industry for any other industry. And I tell people all the time, I wouldn't hire, if a person walked in and, go, well, I have a PhD or I've got a master's, I got this, I got that. That doesn't mean anything to me. I really could care less. I mean, that might even work against you. I'm looking for somebody who's passionate, passionate about what they do, loves the industry, loves what the cowboy hat stands for, what the great iconic American cowboy, what he means. When you think about all the songs, the movies, the poems, the picture books that all you know depict the American cowboy, you gotta you gotta love that. I had a guy that uh, was looking at a very upper end hat in Las Vegas one year, and he kept coming up to the wall and looking at the hat, and then going back to his wife, who she never came up close. I think she thought, well, I'll stay back here, and he can't convince me. And um, finally, after about three or four times, and this was like a you know. $2,800 hat. And the guy was uh, very nicely dressed, and he, and he I said, what's holding you up? What's the hang-up here? And he said, uh, well, be honest with you, I live in New York City. And I said, okay, what well, does that have to do with these? Ah, I still don't know if I have permission to wear a cowboy hat. I mean, I don't know, you know, I'm not going to, it's not going to fit. And I said, well, here's the deal. If, when you go to your penthouse suite, whatever, you go, it's not like that. And I said, just, just follow me. I'll exaggerate for the effect, but if when you lay your head on the pillow in your penthouse suite, if you dream of big blue skies and white puffy clouds and wide open spaces, man, you might you might be a cowboy. And so you don't necessarily have to live it. So it's not about your, your zip code. It's about your state of mind and your state of heart. So if you have that state of mind and state of heart, then welcome.
0: That was the perfect answer. Okay. So one thing that I do want to touch on that I know that your company is very passionate about is... Following Keith Maddox's passing, his brand, which because everyone is listening, if you are a cattle rancher, it would be a plus X, Mm -hmm. which verbally would be read as positive times, really became a symbol for your company. And now a few short years later, after creating those patches, you can't go anywhere in cowboy country without seeing a hat with that sticker on the back. And in addition to that, I know that it's really become an eternal mission or internal mission for American Hat. So obviously, the idea of Positive Times is a very easy mission for a company and its employees to get behind. That makes a lot of sense. But how have you guys really ingrained that in your company culture?
1: Well, it was, you know, his cattle brand, his horse brand. And so when he uh, was alive, I wanted to use it. I said, hey, can we, you know, do this plus? He goes, no, 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 no. said, it's not about me. It's about the hat. And so, you know, he was one of the first guys to ever come up with a hat sticker. At the time, you know, we were wearing them on the side. And um, later when we put an American flag on our hat, we put it kind of back left corner. And then we moved our patches to the back left corner as well. And then after he passed, and I wasn't sure how long it was going to last. I thought, well, you know, it may go for five or six months. But, you know, something in remembrance of him. And I believe in my heart of hearts that he left that for us, for us here at American Hat Company, and that that has become the North Star for us, for, you know, anytime I'm looking for uh, direction, you know, navigation, that's my North Star. So I try to figure out what's the most positive thing, and then... You know, when I came from Miller, at Miller we had uh, consultants and we would do um, retreats and bring the management team together and SWOT analysis. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But when I got here, Keith goes, we're, we don't do any of that. We're None of that. He said, my philosophy is pretty simple. He says, we're going to do the right thing. When we're done doing that, we're going to do the next right thing. And then we're going to repeat those steps over and over and over again. And so he boiled it down to something that simple to where when you came to work, you can go, okay, what's the most important thing for me to get done today? And what's the right thing? And he said, you, if you do the right thing, irregardless of what the consequences for you are, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. It's all going to work out. And I remember there, we had a big customer that wanted us to give them 10 X hats, but put 20 X's inside. And Keith said, nope, nope, nope. We're not going to do that. Not, not going to do that. And then we had another customer when we put the American flag pin on the back of the deal, on the back of the hat band. Uh, we had another customer said, well, I, I don't want them with that flag pin on there. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to buy them like that. And Keith goes, okay, well, not a problem. We'll, we'll close your account. And the guy goes, "Oh, well, I don't want to close the account. I just don't want them with flags. He said, you can't buy a, you know, a Ram truck without the Ram on it. You can't buy Apple computer without the Apple on it. So you can't buy an American hat without the American flag on it. So. He, uh, he really wasn't afraid of just, hey, okay, if you don't want that, well, we may not be for you.
0: Well, and you're never wrong to do the right thing. That is a quote that I continuously come back to in life. And, and I love that, that that's something that you guys have really ingrained. So how do you bring the positive times into your company and your employees on the internal side of things?
1: Yeah, So we try to make it so it's not just words, but it's actions as well. And so anytime we deal with anything on the factory floor, then again, I look for the positive in it. And so what are we going to get out of this? What's the positive? What are we going to walk away from here? That's the stuff that we try to do here. We have a saying up on the wall here, good, better, best. Never let it rest until your good is better and your better's best. And so really what that means is every day you're trying to just beat yourself. You're trying to be a little better version of yourself than what you were the day before. So that's uh, up on. That's all over the factory. And then we have the four things we want to accomplish every day. And that's world-class product is number one. We're going to give you world-class service. Number two, we want to deliver on time, which is impossible at this point in time. And then we want to do it all at a fair price. So, not the cheapest price, but a very fair price. So, we're not looking to be the cheapest uh, hat company in the world. I'll never forget where I was at Vegas and a lady came and anytime a customer comes to you and go, Hey, show me your cheapest hat. You know, oh, we've got problems already because she's, she's buying based on price. So, I can show her all the features and benefits and feel this one and feel that one. But if she's fixated on price, hard to, hard to get her off that. So, I show her a hat and it's, you know, it's a, you know, 10x and it's like, would be $400 or something like that. Oh, no, no, I don't want to, that's way too much money. I don't want to spend that for a hat. So I ended up walking her out to the main aisle and Keith was sitting right there. He had just had some treatment on cancer and he wasn't feeling very good, but he just, he didn't miss a day and he was sitting on the edge and he just watched me walk this lady out there. And I said, if you go down this aisle, you know, three or four things turn right, there'll be a hat company there. And if you go this other way, you go down there, there'll be another one on this other side. And she goes, thank you so much for helping me and pointing me in the right direction. And I said, ma'am, it's not going to be hard to find a cheaper hat. The hard part comes when you got to wear it every day. And she took about four steps and stopped, turned around. She says, show me that hat again. And so I showed her the hat. And Keith goes, I can't believe you said that. And I didn't say it in an arrogant way, but she was gone. She was done. She was going to go buy a you know, wool hat somewhere. So it was my last. Uh, it just came out, you know. And so he adopted that and he, he liked that saying. And then if we had a retailer, if we were at a, you know, the Dallas market or the Denver market back in those days, and um, we had a retailer that goes, well, how much are these going to cost? I mean, what, you know, and I always turned it around on him. I said, they're not going to cost you anything. You're not keeping them, are you? You know, these aren't for you, right? They don't cost you a dime. You're going to make money. You got to think about what you're going to make on every hat, not what it's going to cost you. The right stuff doesn't cost you any money. The wrong stuff costs you money. So, you know, and if you're going to sell with your philosophy based on price, eventually you're going to be battling the guy at the carnival, right between the tilt the world and the cotton candy. Never win that battle. You never win that battle. So if if price is what you're selling on, I mean, really, you're not selling. You're 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 an order taker. And so, you know, Keith would say all the time, the difference between a, a salesman and an order taker is about forty percent.
0: So what tips do you have for managing employees?
1: Well, this is going to sound weird, and hopefully nobody takes it the wrong way, but it's almost the same as raising kids or working with animals, a dog, a horse, or whatever. You know, I try to make the right thing really easy and the wrong thing really hard, but then I try to be very consistent and fair. And if I make a mistake, you know, um, with my kids, I, I remember there was a couple of times where I uh, probably, you know, gave them too harsh of a punishment, and I needed to go back to them, and I did, and I went back to them and said, hey, look, you know, I was pretty upset at the time that we, you know, gave you a, a month's restriction or whatever it was, and uh, that's probably unrealistic, and that's, but this is my first time being a dad, too, so I'm learning. There's not a book. I'm just doing the best I can, and um I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to, you know, we're going to cut that down. And by the end of the week, you're sort of, but let's not do that again. You know, if you, if you make the same mistake over and over again, then the consequences get tougher, get tougher. And so one of the things we, that really hurts us is absenteeism. And so when people don't show up, so if I have somebody that sits in a a key position and let's say they sew um, hat band or, you know, the sweat band in a hat, and I don't have another person sitting on the bench waiting to take their spot, right? And they, and for that day, they don't do, you know, 180 hats. Well, you can just take that 180 times, you know, the average price of the hat. And that's what you didn't get done that day. So you multiply that out. And you, I go with your, the days that you've missed, it really uh, affects the company and it affects your fellow employees. So, you kind of got to be a team player here if you want to be on the team. But what we did was we went to a point system. So um, you know, if you unexcused absence is going to cost you a point. If you are late, that's half a point. Got to leave early, that's half a point. And then um, if you get to uh, four points, we're we're usually having a, a visit. You know, what's the problem? Is there something we can do to help? You know, and if it's a, if it's a if it's a single mom. Who, um, you know, dealing with a couple of kids at home, we kind of got to understand that. And, um, you know, I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, kick her to the curb, but we may come up with another solution. Okay. Maybe I can't have you sit in that spot. You need to be in a spot that, you know, if you leave, it's not going to kill us. But if you get to, if you get to five points, then the decision's made. If you get to the four point and we've, you know, had our conversation, and you can, you know, come every day for 90 days and not have, then we'll take the point off. So there's there's a way to get it back. I mean, once you get there, you're not stuck. And so there's a way to get out of it. You just have to do the right thing. And the right thing, you know, try to make that easier. And the, and the wrong thing, we try to make hard. The funny part is, you know, uh, it's true with kids and grandkids. Even my grandkids, you know, my daughter will sometimes... I have a daughter that's a single mom and she has two, two girls and she'll call and say, Hey, so and so is doing this or doing that. Or can you talk to her on the phone? Well, I don't raise my voice. I don't believe in screaming or yelling because if you're screaming and yelling, you've lost control. I have a whiteboard right here that says, if your emotions go up, your intelligence goes down. So if you get really emotional and you're making emotional decisions, those are typically not going to be great decisions, but. If I have to talk to one of the grandkids, I talk to him very quietly. Hey, what's going on? Tell me what's happening. We're going to have to, you're going to have to mind, mom. You know that, right? You know, so what I need you to do is you need to go tell mom you're sorry. And um, I need you to do this, this, and this. So, and then there may be something that's very important to them. Like my grandkids, it's a cell phone and I pay for those. And so if um, things don't go well, if we're not going to follow the rules, then I'm not going to pay for a cell phone.
0: Oh, children and their cell phones, right? That is a big deal for them. Back to employees. How do you inspire and encourage employees to think bigger and really like ride for the brand?
1: Well, again, if they have that passion, then they do that almost automatically. If you don't micromanage them, if you micromanage them and you don't let them make mistakes or you don't let them speak their opinion... You know, because there'll be sometimes I'll say, Hey, here's what I think we ought to do, but man, if you got a different opinion, I'd love to hear it. Let's let's talk about it. And you gotta be willing to say, you know what, I think that's a better idea, let's go your way. But if they're passionate about what they do, then that's fantastic and they they usually walk on water for you and outperform all of your expectations. But you gotta realize too, there are people that just wanna come to work and get a check and go home. So they don't want to work the same way that you work or the same way that I would work or the same way that, and so they're, you know, and then some of those folks that are very passionate about stuff, they get upset with those guys. They go, well, how come he, that guy doesn't believe that?" well, he just wants to get a check and go home. This is not his world. This is not his life. He just, this is a means of, of him feeding his family. And so you got to kind of realize that as well, that not everybody has the same level of passion and so identify the ones that are passionate and then let those people run with the ball. And then if you, if you just want to be a guy that blocks and tackles, then uh, that's okay too.
0: So when it comes to hiring, what qualities do you look for in someone and what qualities are an instant turnoff?
1: Passion is number one. I've kind of said that's kind of uh, maybe a little bit redundant, but passion is number one. And then this, the, the turnoff would be the opposite of that, uh, a lackadaisical attitude or an attitude of, well, what's it going to pay? And what's, what, oh, how long do I have to work? And so if you're looking for that stuff, then we're probably not the right place for you. If you want a great job and you want to feel like you're part of something a little bit bigger, then we'd love to, we'd love to have you as part of the team. And then so everybody has a, everybody on the factory floor out here has a goal. They have a goal for the day. Got to give them something to shoot at, and then we look at it. I look at it every every break. So there's four quarters. It's almost like a football game, and so I can I just send an email after the second quarter, and I say, "Wow, great job! Keep it up, everybody. We're doing great." And then if at the end of the day somebody's a superstar, they they've hit their goal or they've exceeded their goal, then um, they're eligible for a bonus. If they meet their weekly goal, then they get an additional bonus. So there's a carrot out there to go after it, but I've had a couple of people miss their weekly goal by one or two hats. And I just go, man, I don't understand that. I would have figured out how to do those extra two hats somewhere to make the extra 120 bucks. And I'm not, and I'm not above having what I call a significant emotional event. So a significant emotional event is not again being emotional, losing control, but it's almost biblical where Jesus threw the money changers out. And so I had a guy that had worked here for maybe four or five days. And when he wanted the job, he was in a bad spot. and I need to feed my kids and I need, you know, got cars, all that kind of stuff. So we gave him a chance. And after I think, you know, five days, he was coming to the front office. I happened to be there and he had his backpack on. I said, are you leaving? What's the deal? He said, yeah. I says, it's too hard on my shoulder. And I said, well, are you, uh, are you on the presses in the back? We'll move you to a different spot maybe if we, we'll work with you, you know, to find you a, a spot maybe that doesn't tap your shoulder. No. He said, I'm sanding trim, you know, so you're really not using his shoulder. And so the ladies in the front office uh, heard me say, man, I think you need to take a teaspoon of concrete and harden up. It's hard to come to work every day. It's hard to get up every day and it's hard to do a job and your shoulder may, may get a little tired but it's hard not to have enough money to be able to feed your kids. It's hard to not have enough money to pay your rent. It's hard to not have a car that runs. You got to choose your heart, you know, pick your heart. So my grandfather used to say to me, to take a teaspoon of concrete and harden up.
0: That is that is good advice on that. I think often we probably need to take a teaspoon of concrete and harden up in life.
1: My grandfather was, a, But you know, I was picking at a splinter one time on his uh, ranch and he come and said, "What what are you what are you doing?" And I said, "I got a splinter in my hand. I'm trying to get get it out." He says, "You mark it with a red action. You get it on Sunday in church. You're on my time right now." So I thought, "Oh, okay, yes, sir." So you know that just but that mentality is what kind of drives me, and it does with everything that I do. My grandkids were at the house, and my wife wasn't feeling good, so I uh, volunteered to make dinner and then to clean up. And so there was dishes in the dishwasher. And I said, my grandkids, I said, oh, you guys sit right there. Uh, they sat at the bar where you could see. I said, you're going to see a lesson in efficiency. So the way that I took the dishes out, I put all the same things together on the counter and put them all away. And then when I loaded the dishwasher, I put all the spoons in one thing, all the forks in another thing, all the knives in another thing. So when I unload it, I just have to grab the whole bundle and put them in the deal. And I said, and I just approach everything like it's a job, like you were paying me to do it. And I, how can I, how efficient can I be? So then a couple of days, days later, my wife sends me a thing on Instagram that said, uh, when one spouse loads the uh, dishwasher like the, uh, the guy making a Swiss watch and the other one is like a, a raccoon on crack. So, so that's, you know, because the grandkids, my wife could hear him saying, well, that's not how Gammy does it well, I don't know how Gammy does it. And I said, I know that's not how Gammy
0: does it. Yeah. Oh man, that's, that's hilarious.
1: Sorry, I got you on, you're on a tangent there.
0: No, that's perfect. Okay, so now we're going to be in the rapid fire round. They're not necessarily short answer questions, but these are the questions that we ask all guests. So all right. the first one, what is the best piece of business or personal advice that you've ever been given?
1: Competitive excellence is important. In everything you do. So, you know, if you're a competitive person, people have a tendency to go, you know, uh, you know, I had one of my grandkids said, well, I really don't like competitive people because, you know, if they lose or that thing doesn't go the way they power. I so, said, well, that's not competitive excellence. You got to learn to compete, whether you're at school, whether you're at work, classroom, boardroom, football field, rodeo arena, life. You have to learn to compete and you got to lose before you know how to win and I've, I've lost a lot of things. I've lost at a lot of different things. And so I'm not afraid to lose, but I won't quit. And so you can lose, We just can't quit.
0: If you could give people any words of wisdom and knew that they would take it to heart, what would it be?
1: Read, read as much as you can read. Whether it's audio books, you know, as much as we travel in this Western lifestyle, you can get a PhD in a subject. The subject and just consume everything you can get. The opportunity for stuff out there with YouTube and, you know, audiobooks uh, and then physical books or books on your iPad, read. If you choose not to read, you have no distinct advantage over the person who cannot read. So the more you read, the more it, you know, stimulates your brain and you're going to think about things or maybe look at things a little bit different, have a different uh, viewpoint.
0: If you could go to dinner with anyone dead or alive, who would it be?
1: Well, okay. well that'd probably be Keith Maddox at this point. You know, my, I could, could have said my father. My, my father died in 1979, so it would take a lot of time to catch up there. Um, with Keith Maddox, I would want to get his feedback, you know, and see, what do you, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? We're, you know, we're headed here. We're going there. We're doing this. But also, maybe that's selfish as well, because there's many times I wish that he could see where we're at and what we're doing. But maybe that's for me, not necessarily for him, because I wanted to um, make him proud, make him happy. And uh, he always, you know, when you work for somebody and um, you're talking to him on the phone and I uh, probably about four or five years in. He ended every conversation. He said, I love you, and I'm glad you're there. And he was roping maybe in Arizona or doing something. And um, and then I got to the point where I was comfortable saying, I love you too. And he taught me that. That's important.
0: Oh, it absolutely is. And having a relationship with somebody like that, I mean, it's not often that people get that in business. And I think that you, the two Keiths, were lucky to have had that. And I know that he has made a big impact on you. Okay, what is one quote that you lead your life by?
1: I have it on the inside of my forearm. Um, I had it put there in ink. And it says, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much room. And then it says, "Hacking, king, Pup plus X. Keith would say that a lot. You know, we got to get out on the edge. The edge is where the fruit is. The edges, you know, you don't want to take silly chances. But if you're going to hang on to the trunk, You're going to die in your comfort zone. So the fruit, you got to get on the limb a little bit. And that's where it's at. If you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much room.
0: Man, I think I might need need that quote on my life. By nature, I'm not necessarily a risk taker, but I will say so far in this podcast journey, a lot of our episodes have alluded to the importance of taking risk, which is something that I know... I obviously need to be better at, but I know a lot of listeners out there probably feel that same way that there may be a risk adverse. So I think that that one is really going to resonate with some people.
1: Yeah. You can't, I mean, because calculated risk, I'm not just saying risk at all. You don't want to, you don't want to be, you know, I bet at all, but um, you have to take some calculated risk. You have to take some chances. If you don't, then, you know, there's not going to be any, any big reward either.
0: Well, Keith, thank you so much for taking time today to sit down with us. And if you guys aren't already, I highly encourage you to go follow American Hat Company on social. If you are at an event where they are set up, go seek out their booth. And then maybe you'll get to meet Keith because he goes out quite often Um, and he's always in Vegas. So if you will be in Vegas for the NFR, I know that you can at least stop and tip your hat to him and his wisdom today. And if this is an episode that you got something out of, which hopefully it is, I know that I did, it could be for others too. So help us spread the word by taking a screenshot, sharing it in your stories, tagging American Hat, tagging of the West. And if you know of somebody who could maybe use a little of this inspiration in their life, please make sure to send it their way. And with that, we will see you guys next week. If you loved this episode, do us a favor and share it with someone else who might find just as much value in it as you did. We're on a mission to continue to grow and strengthen the future of agriculture and Western industries, and you spreading the word helps us make more of a positive impact. It also makes a big difference when you take a minute to go rate and review the show. We can't thank you enough for listening, for sharing, and for loving Ag and Western as much as we do. We'll see you back here for our next episode.